I was taking a walk the other day and brainstorming on what I wish I had known 15 years ago when we first started this process. And I came up with a list and today is, I, I don't like to be one of those people who use those clickbaity headlines like the one tr trick that you do in 30 seconds to drastically improve your life. And so I don't want to under or oversell this, but this is easily in the top five items that I wish I had understood 15 years ago. Mel Redison. Welcome back to the Strong Family Project podcast, where we guide you on the path to raising confident, independent, and resilient children in a strong family environment. As we get into the essential topic of today's lesson, I first want to pause and say thank you for the people who responded so well to the first seven episodes. We put them all out at once, not knowing what to expect, and to see the hundreds of reviews and hundreds of ratings, hundreds of views, all the shares, all the kind of words from, from people in our network and then people outside our network that knew them and trusted them because they've been watching this. And something unique happened that I honestly didn't expect when we would launch this podcast. We got a lot of feedback from young people who aren't quite parents yet, but they happened to pick up the podcast somehow, either from from a share or I had coached them when they were younger or they had just somehow stumbled across it. I was getting such good feedback from them and taking their notes because we do have a rule of the show, which is if you get something valuable, press the pause button, write it down. And I actually prefer you hand write it down. It helps you remember things better, but I'm being a little picky. <laughs> and then you comment on the show with that item that you learned. So we're understanding what value you're getting. Plus this is a project completely bootstrapped by us. And we're not asking for anything except for if we provide value to your life, you return the favor and share, review, and comment, specifically on Apple. I don't know you. What's up with Apple? Spotify took off like crazy, and Apple's still behind on the, on the views and the ratings and reviews. So if you are an Apple lover and you're listening on Apple Podcasts specifically, do us a favor. At the end of the episode, if you got value out of it, because it is a value exchange, I like to perform first and provide value to your life, then go ahead and rank it. Now, rate it. Now, I want to pass it over to Mel for a second. Before we launched this podcast, there was an episode uh, that I, I searched on, like the things that annoy podcast viewers. And one of them was, oh, we hate it when the hosts read reviews and comments. And I thought, well, you can check that at the door because if we're providing something for free and there's people out there that are helping us, we're going to show some gratitude. And we saw one unique comment. We're not going to read all of them. But this one is important because what he did was the rule of the show. He included what he picked out of the first episode. So it's actually a good refresher of what I want to go over. And for those watching on YouTube, you can see my mic slowly falling down. So I want to pass it over to Mel to read that. Okay. And this is from Tucker. Since Hope and I met, I've talked about viewing families and personal relationships like an organization or business, literally within days of meeting her, Lucky Hope. As we've progressed through dating, living together, getting engaged, buying a home, adopting a dog, etc., I've started putting a lot of thought into what we want to provide our future kids with in this life. What values, traits, wisdom, etc., can I impart on them? How can I set them up for success and perhaps help them avoid some of the spirited, as my parents put it, decisions and actions I've taken in my life? Never did I think a podcast would help me begin to put more structure around this vision to our, of our family to be. 
And no, this is not me announcing that we're expecting. Thank you, Joe Hashi and the Strong Family Podcast. But there's more. I've listened to episode one, and a few concepts have stood out to me. Creating core family values, kill, keep, or combine, what's memorable is portable, weekly family meetings, raising leaders, your children will have values whether you teach them or get them from the outside world. In my opinion, this is a must listen for anyone who has a family, wants a family, is unsure about a family, or just wants to learn more about families. That's so awesome, Tucker, thank you. Tucker, thank you, and thank you for including that summary, because it's extra value. So if someone's listening to the podcast and they go to read the reviews, there's actually value in that too. And so thank you so much. I will remind people that what he's talking about is available for you on strongfamilyproject.com. The whole path is there for free for you to download and follow along. Let's get into today's episode. One that has been on my heart, has been on my heart all week, and I want to make sure that we shot an episode on it uh, before it's released. This is actually being recorded on my birthday, so what I wanted to do for my birthday is to share this content with you because it's what I wish someone had shared with me when I was younger. It's a concept that we call parenting capital. You perhaps have heard of financial capital. Part of my story is I was a high school economics teacher. We talked about financial capital, basically the, the liquid assets you have that you can spend, basically stuff you can spend. Let's go real simple. In parenting and leadership and relationships, which you should listen to episode seven on relationships, you do have a certain amount of value that you can spend. And once you spend it, it could be gone or it could come back to you at a higher level if you spend it wisely. For example, a relationship capital in leadership. This past week, we had a CO2 alarm go off at one of our fitness facilities. And so they were newly installed. They went off. Uh, the staff there reacted. They're, they're great guys. They reacted and said, hey, I feel unsafe with this alarm going off. Like I want to close down the training sessions that we have. And since I have experience in HVAC and dealing with this stuff, I would have said, all right, well, if it was me, I probably went, went outside, had it verified by the company, checked to see if it's safe, and then return. However, I don't know if that was the right call. Does it really matter? Well, it probably matters to me more that they feel safe in their workplace than it does me being right and trying to squeeze in a couple extra sessions. And I don't even know if that was the right call. And does it matter right now? Is this the the time pressure sensitive that to have out a discussion and burn through, use up my leadership capital on pressing on an issue that doesn't really matter. And I wasn't even sure if I was right. And so let's just go with what they feel and is important to them so that they build up the confidence to make these kind of decisions. Mel, I saw you take some notes. What do you got? This made me think of emotional intelligence. So hearing you talk about being able to step back and not just react like a lot of people would, would maybe do, just to be right or feel heard. You have to be able to have that ability to step away and think about it, give yourself some time to kind of mull it over before responding. And this definitely will, it's extremely important in parenting. But as we're working on your examples right now, it just made me think of that, being able to step back, not take it personally right away, and be able to think about it. And then I also thought of observing ego, which I know is kind of a, psychology term. I, I graduated with a psych degree. Um, but about being able to kind of step outside yourself and look at the situation from um, an outside perspective before reacting. 
So those are just the two things I mentioned, which I think are skills that are important to work on as parents too. I agree. We, the reason why I want to get into this and the reason why it's so on my heart is that we will get into this more with values, but there's a time and place to stand up for your values. Your core values are the things that you should pretty much always stand up for. You've already decided that. But if we don't take the time and decide on core values, we think everything that is of our opinion is critical to stand up for. And that's just not true. And that's how you burn a ton of bridges. And that's how you make your kids feel less confident because you're constantly stepping on their toes. You're constantly nitpicking the way I know how to do it better. This is how I did it back in my day. Like you just burn through such relationship capital when you're nitpicking and not asking yourself those three questions first. When it comes to your children, when it comes to your friends, when it comes to the internet and you thinking that you saying something on social media, you riding in on a white horse and saving the day. But the answer to all those questions, number one, you weren't sure you were right. And number two, it doesn't matter. And it certainly doesn't matter right now. So you get a no for all three. Now, if it's a no for even one of those in my book, then I, t I take a step back and I think about it. And so we want to bring more calm to your parenting. So we've talked about constant gentle pressure of moving things forward is that not everything is urgent for you to jump on top of and try to fix right now. Well, maybe I'll just give a quick, easy example. I think examples are usually the best way to illustrate. So my personality is to be neat and clean and everything put away. So I can't go to bed <laughs> until the kitchen is, you know, cleaned up and that I walk in in the morning and I feel like I'm starting fresh. And I've had to realize over time that not everybody in my family is going to be the same way. So when Joe and I first moved in together, after getting married, he lived out of a box. Like all of his clothes were in a box. I didn't live in the box. I lived <laughs> no, out no, of the box. No, no, you lived out of <laughs> As in all of his clothes were in a box and I used the dresser because it was like a small apartment. Now, could we have bought a dresser? Sure. But it just, first of all, I found it funny. But secondly, it just wasn't important enough to make a change. It wasn't important enough to fight about. It wasn't important enough um, to make a big deal about. So it would have definitely been no's on your questions there. And then as time went on, so we started having kids and I would kind of expect everybody to put everything away and be neat, just like me. So my son, Logan loves books, loves to tinker, loves to invent. And his room is usually, it looks as if a tornado went through it. And initially that would bring me a lot of anxiety. And, and I would assume that this is important right now. Like this has to be fixed because I don't want this house to be messy. But over time I realized I don't want to burn up my parenting capital on that. There's more important things to instill in him than that. And honestly, I started thinking like this kid loves books. This kid loves to tinker. He's using these things. He's not making a mess just to make a mess. Mm -hmm. So stepping back and first of all, being able to recognize what I find important as an individual, which is neatness. And I think there's something to that, but also seeing it from his perspective. So I had that emotional intelligence piece I talked about earlier to be able to step back and not take it too personally. But granted, I did take it personally <laughs> earlier on. And this has taken time. I mean, he's 13 now and we kind of have this system where if it's in his room, it's okay. And every once in a while we clean up. But the point I'm trying to make is I took it, I specifically thought about this and was, I can't think of the word I'm trying to think of, um, Angry, purposeful fired up oh, no, no. okay enraged <laughs> i was trying to purposefully think about it and see what was best here and not make it just about me and what i think is right 
And I think that's gone a long way. So it's me showing respect to him and his needs, but still maybe you can kind of summarize. But that's an example that I think makes a lot of sense to me. And a lot of people might be, um, can think of something about your kid that maybe drives you nuts, but is it really that important to make it the battle all the time? There's a critical dichotomy here where sometimes you need to teach boundaries and sometimes you need to let it go. And I think that is, and this is, this is big in this big AI revolution of the computers being able to do everything for us is that these finer distinctions are very hard and situational. And that is the value that we bring that is different. It's not just spouting information. It's understanding when and how to use that information and what situation to apply and spend your capital where you teach them something they actually value what you taught them because you're not nitpicking all the time. And now you've increased the amount of capital you have with them. You've increased the amount of authority and respect they have for you because they know you're not nitpicking. When you say something, it is to be taken seriously. And so that's the flip side of this. When you decide to spend it in certain situations and, and put a little bit of your weight behind something, then it could come back to you. And that is a good way to think about it is if I invest my relationship capital in this situation is there potential that I could earn some more, get some more respect, get some more understanding, be heard a little bit more. You know, what is the value in this? And the other example I had pertains exactly to the path that we're working on. Those first seven episodes we talked about and how to get kids to buy in. And I think it's important and every family is going to be different but how you will go through the steps. And we did talk about in one, and I think it was the eighth podcast about kind of what order to do things in, mm -hmm. but it takes that, that constant gentle pressure. It's going to take time and consistency and there might be pushback, but trying to process that and not get into fights over implementing the path, not making it this battleground, but instead making it about a goal for the whole family so that was one other piece of this that I was thinking about. I think you could get a lot of parenting capital out of implementing the path as a family. You all will trust each other more and you will be focused on what's most important. So the values are most important, whatever core values you come up with. And that could be one of the lenses or filters for if there is, <clears throat> excuse me, something that comes up, like let's say it's the messy room thing. You know, you can kind of filter it. it. Does this kind of fall in line with the values? Is it really that important right now? And if it's not part of your value system, then you know to kind of push that aside or at least not make it as big of a deal. I think there's a big just gap in understanding and trade-offs in what parent, and I don't mean this as a knock, and I mean it kind of in an empathetic way because this is wish what I wish I had known 15 years ago. And that gap in understanding is this, that some parents believe that by them constantly correcting their children they are being good parents because they they just that that it, maybe they didn't have that when they were younger maybe that's what someone told them is that they're constantly involved and engaged but what happens is that they start to knock down the confidence of the child to do anything independently because they are constantly nitpicking and nagging. oh that's not quite right you know strain out that fork strain stand up tall put your you know wear this do this and then the child doesn't develop any decision-making abilities on their own. Sometimes you got, it's like setting up guardrails. Yes, you got to keep them within a certain limit so that they're safe and so they're progressing. But if you're trying to keep them on an exact straight line, the trade-off is undermining their confidence in the long run.
it's going to chip away at them. It's going to chip away at the confidence and cause them to not be able to gain confidence. And sometimes kids are going to have to make mistakes. And sometimes real world consequences help. So let's say, for example, sometimes we clean up Logan's books because Henry has the bunk bed on top. And let's say he needs to get out of the bunk bed in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom or something. What if he trips on the books and falls? <laughs> you know? yeah. That's like a real life consequence that might then make Hen Logan realize, hey, I got to keep my books stacked a little bit better. So if I just went in the room every day and stacked the books for him, you might never learn that. So sometimes you have to allow them to have real life, real world consequences to then learn on their own what they should do. I'm going to give you a very clear action item that'll frustrate the crap out of you if you haven't done it yet, but it, it will teach you and your children so much. And that action item is for you to sit down on your hands and verbally coach a child through something that you know how to do very well. Mel, make your blood pressure go <laughs> up when you think crazy. of it. Yep. Because you have this high expectation. We're 40. You've been doing this for 40 years and then you know, oh, I can do it so much faster. I can do like, it is the child's first attempt. Like let's slow our roll a little bit. Let's let them spill the flour when you're sitting on your hands and teaching them how to make sourdough bread or whatever our kids were working on the other day and helping us out with. Like it still gives Mel anxiety. Like, I'm mm -hmm. like hey, why don't you sit down and try to talk them through it? Just don't touch anything. And it's really hard. It's very hard, but wow. Like what the confidence it builds in that child because they're able to do the full process from beginning to end with only words, without someone hold, literally holding their hand and pushing them to do the right thing. They're gonna grow so much faster despite your frustration level. And I know what you're saying because I, I feel the same way. It's like, hey, let me do this. Like I can do this faster, especially when, like we're you know, trying to change a tire or something like that that we've done together. Like I need to let them work through it like that's how i had to learn it's they're going to have to learn that way sometime they might as well learn that way with you in the room and so the education process we use all the time at our companies and in our lives is they watch you do it you watch them do it they do it independently heavy emphasis on the watch it's not they do it not you do it and they kind of help you hand, hand you things <laughs> you watch them do it if you want to build more relationship capital, that is a crystal clear way to do it. I would encourage every listener to choose one thing and try to coach your child through it without standing up. You sit down and literally sit on your hands. You can't hover around them. The anxiety in your voice and your body position can still undermine them. I have a great example of this. So as we talked about in a previous podcast, part of the path is setting weekly commitments and our son Henry, I'm sorry, Logan, set this commitment to make two healthy snacks that week and follow two healthy recipes. And of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'll help him with that, you know, because I already go to the mm -hmm. whole like, keeping the kitchen clean. But he specifically said, I want to do them independently. So I think I already, so he pulled some, so he was going to make a granola bar and he needed the food processor. And he needed to ask maybe where some things were, but I already sensed inside of myself, like, I want to do it with him. I want to do it for him because I can do it better or I know what I'm doing. But he specifically said to me, I want to do it independently. So again, I was able to step back and say to myself, this is what I want him to be able to do. I want him to be independent, learn to cook for himself and support him in his goal. 
So I, I did, I actually had to leave the room at one point just because I know that I'm going to keep trying to do things. So he did a fabulous job. And he also included our five-year-old who loves to help. Yeah. So again, as, as parents, we have to be able to, first of all, help our kids make some goals. He, he had come up with this on his own, but then truly support them in it and take ourselves out of the equation sometimes um, in order for the kids to be able to learn. And I think I, I probably did earn some parent, some parenting capital there because I trusted him to do it. He did a great job. We all enjoyed it. I remember in eighth grade, there was this art project. It was a Mother's Day project. So you got a piece of wood and this kind of wrapping paper cloth thing and you were to wrap it around the wood, wood glue it and put a ribbon around it. And then that was like the Mother's Day gift. And I got mine wrapped around and it was like, the glue was a little off. <laughs> we don't need to go into any art class stories. Mel was in my high school art class. That's what I, I thought you were going was with. was not it. successful <laughs> at it. But I, I was making this project for my mom in eighth grade. Wrapping it around, hot glue in it, kind of getting my ribbon in the right way. And you had to glue that on as well. And there was another girl in the class that was more of a perfectionist. Her name was Teresa and she took it and like, oh, I'm just going, I'll, I'll do a 40. It's going to look better. And she did it. I just threw it away. I did not want to give my mom something that someone else made. Wow. Yeah, I was so pissed about that. I still remember it now. Like, like, who do you think you are to mess with my gift for my mom? Like, I was fired up. Like, yeah, it was looked better, but it wasn't mine. Not interested. <laughs> I've never heard you share that story before. Oh, I think about it every day. Fire, <laughs> wake up red hot about it. <laughs> but here's the thing. You were in eighth grade and you still remember that. So that's how much impact this can have on your kids. Wow. To bring it full circle with the, am I sure I'm right? Does it matter? Does it matter right now? Like, there are some things that I'm fairly sure that I'm right on that I'm going to stand up for. And this topic is one of them, that action item. Like I'm fairly sure that if you do everything for your child and you're like a, a what they call a snowplow parent where you try run in front of them and push all the obstacles out of their way, that either they'll grow up with low self-confidence because they weren't able to do or accomplish things independently or best case scenario is he or she figures it out as they get older and then they hold resentment for you trying to make it easy in the short run. And yeah, it is easy for a day or two. And yes, they will spill things. And, and Mel's, if you're on YouTube, is getting red in the face thinking about them messing up the kitchen. It is hard. <laughs> it's a physical reaction to that. But I'm pretty sure that it's worth the long-term benefit to your children. And that is the big trade-off of parenting. It's not to make it easy in the short run. It's to make them independent and resilient for their life. And yes, if you make it super easy in the short run, best case, they figure it out later and like, wow, I wish my mom or dad didn't do that for me. And then there's resentment issues down the road. This makes me think about how oftentimes people say in parenting, you don't have, you don't see the results quickly. It takes a long time to see the fruits of your labor, essentially. And I think part of what makes the path special, the strong family path special, is you can almost see the results sooner. You know, I think we've been doing this for a while now, and we see the results. Just Logan coming up with a goal, like making two, going through two recipes on his own, I don't think that would have happened if we hadn't been on this path, if we hadn't been in the mindset of setting goals. So if you're looking to see more results, more quickly and i think that kind of empowers you to keep going and it motivates you you know get on the path it's it's really a powerful way to move your family forward and see results sooner
if you want to teach learned helplessness, do everything for someone. It boils down to be that simple. If you want an employee or staff member or coworker to feel worthless and be worthless at work, swoop in and do all their work and nitpick everything. Like, sure, you might be able to do it better because you've been there longer, but how about you nudge it in the right direction so over the long run, they also can bring value to the table as they build experience. Now, I want to shift gears as we're getting close to our 30-minute mark. There's an important piece of that relationship podcast that I do believe wholeheartedly is that parenting isn't something you do to your children. It's done. You sit down at the table and you figure things out. It's done with your children. And so there are ways that your kids can learn how to spend their relationship capital. It's an important conversation to have. And yes, you can switch capital to a different word if you want. Your relationship power meter or whatever you, whatever relates to them. But kids need to get it too because they'll, they're they super, they're professional nitpickers. Like someone, you walk by me too close. Like <laughs> why would you want to invest your relationship capital and complaining about that? And our kids don't anymore, but they, it'll come up. Like they, they need to be taught that. I would agree. You know, even something simple like nitpicking what someone's wearing. It's very easy, I think, when you're younger to focus on exterior, external things. Mm -hmm. And we want our kids to focus more on internal things. So if if, um, there's a kid at school who needs some extra help, but, but, you know, maybe they don't, they're not quite who you normally spend time with. You know, you kind of look past that a little bit and help them anyway. We want them to have good character, not just focus on those nitpicky things like what someone's wearing or maybe their hair wasn't right that day want to be able to look past that which can be challenging when you're a kid because everybody's comparing themselves all the time (laughs) so we've just kind of honed our focus a bit more and with the values that's what kind of that's helped our family to focus on what's most important i agree mel thank you for for those shares i do want to refresh do a quick summary here of our action items in those three questions i do think you should write these down When you're faced with the dilemma on whether you should address something to potentially offend somebody, am I sure I'm right? Does it matter? Does it matter right now? And if any of those answers are no, then just walk, leave it. A lot of times the answer to does it matter, the answer is no because it's just someone that, honestly, you don't care about that much. Like it's just someone external looking for an argument. I have a chapter on this in my kids' book that are exclusively for our kids. You don't need to attend every fight you're invited to. And if the other person is of no consequence to your life, and there was, what, 330, 360 million people in the United States, you can let that one go. It doesn't matter because it is a, a person of no consequence that does not know these rules, who is just nitpicking and just wants to start an argument so that they can feel like they're involved in something. It's even better that you walk away. It helps teach them a lesson like, hey, like you probably shouldn't be having this conversation with me. You it saves go, you. Go ahead. It saves you energy. Yeah, oh, yeah. You only get a certain amount of energy every day. And if you're going to waste it on dumb arguments with people that don't matter to you at the end of the day, then you're going to have less energy for the people that do matter. I'm going to incorrectly credit Mark Twain with this saying. <laughs> but it's something like don't get in an argument with an idiot because they'll drag you down to their level and then beat you with experience. <laughs> and so you have to keep that in mind. And now you won't use that word idiots. You're, it could be anyone else. Like you just don't want to get in an argument with someone that just doing it for argument's sake. 
So anyways, there are our three questions. There is the introduction lesson on relationship capital. And you can feel it when someone burns capital with you. Just knowing those questions and knowing, putting these words out there in space for you to understand. You can feel when other people don't get it. And they're dragging their heels over what coffee cups exist. Or like, should we get a Keurig or something else? Or like these these little petty things that burn through your energy that you can no longer have the energy and spend it and invest in your life and your family and your personal growth. And that trade-off needs to be known. I love how you broke it down into those questions. The one thing that came to me was sometimes you might have to think about these questions after you've been in an argument. Maybe you did attend an argument that wasn't worth it. So then by reflecting back and asking yourself, was that important? You know, was that worth my time and energy? You might get better at avoiding them if you kind of look back and reflect on one you've you've been a part of. Yeah, it's easier to reflect now than go out and make a mistake and then reflect. So you might as well think of one that you've made in the recent past. And also one of the best ways to build your kids' confidence and skill set is for you to sit on your hands and try to coach them through something without you even physically hovering around them. I'm going to keep emphasizing because that annoys me. It gives me anxiety when people are too close to me. Like, hey, let me work through this and let me figure it out. Don't have to hover around, but I'm just using my word. Like, give me some space. Give me some elbow room. I need like a 15-foot bubble. I think that is my personal space bubble is quite large. 15 feet, dang. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> bubble, not like on one side, like full. Don't full 360. Enter. Don't, don't get that close to me. There's no need for it. Um, <laughs> but I think that is one of the most powerful skills that you can you can use and you can practice, and it will make you grow a ton. And then you could even, for you advanced people, AP parents, IB or whatever they call it these days, flip the script and have the kids teach you something while they sit on their hands, something that they do well. Our son Henry draws trucks amazingly. It would be tough for him to sit on his hands and try to tell us how to draw a truck because we wouldn't do as good as he does. <laughs> or Logan with some of his robotic stuff or whatever it is. Like Flip the script as well. This is a great activity you can do with your family. You can... So you can do it with almost anyone, your leadership, coworker, staff. So this uh, is very cool to hear this podcast has had more appeal than just to families, but we are going to keep it family-centered. Mel, last words. Become more intentional with your choices and your energy throughout the day. I think that's my final thought. Yep. Do less dumb things, more smart things. We appreciate you listening. Is that what you're saying, Mel? <laughs> that's, yeah, I like how you put it. <laughs> appreciate you listening to the podcast if it brings some value to your life and you do these action items share it and review it we are going to keep mentioning that and i know uh, one of the things that annoys podcast listeners you ask for reviews well shoot we're providing all this for free we still have these thousands of dollars worth of equipment and this is our passion and the only way that we can help spread this passion is by asking for help and so we really appreciate you we really appreciate the people who have shared it we have an amazing list of people we didn't get a chance to thank them all Vanessa Gabriel, quick shout out. But so many people have shared it. Uh, Carly, another shout out. So thank you so much. We will talk to you on the next episode of the Strong Family Project podcast. Get on the Strong Family path by downloading it for free at strongfamilyproject.com.